0: Books and pamphlets, they believe it, folks. And they're sincere. Is that enough? No, the world is still round. No matter how desperately they want to believe otherwise. It's probably not desperation. Anyway, no matter how powerfully or strongly they believe something, truth is still truth. People try desperately, and this this case it's true, they try desperately to wipe out the, the thought of, of God, of a Creator. They want desperately for Him to die. They want desperately for Him to, to just disappear. Right. I don't want God. I don't want to have to submit myself to a holy and righteous God. I want to live my life my way. Right. And that's how people are. But they can't do it when this God stands in the way. So what they have to do is they have to get rid of Him somehow. Well, are they getting rid of God? Of course they're not. They're getting rid of God in here or in here. But the Bible teaches us that as desperate as they are, as many fortresses as they raise up intellectually against the the idea of God, He's still there. And people still believe that. I don't care how much of a staunch atheist you are. The reason you hate God so much is because you know He's out there. You don't hate someone you don't believe in. I don't hate Santa Claus for not giving me that special gift I wanted when I was eight years old. Why? Because He's not real. I could hate my parents if I wanted to go that route. They're the ones that are buying the presents. Santa wasn't. I don't hate Santa. Because he's not real. Why do you hate God so much? Because you know he's real. You can't hate someone in any other way. He's got to be real. And you've got to have some kind of feelings toward him. Because the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. If they truly wanted to wipe God out, they wouldn't care. But they can't not care. They have to care. Because in their heart of hearts, they know that God exists. And they know that God loves them. And they know that this is what they're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to be living this way. I'm supposed to be living His way. But they don't want to. And so they erect all of these excuses, all of these ideas. Oh, we evolved from a rock. Oh, we we popped into existence from a quantum flux, fluctuation. Oh, this, oh, that. God's not necessary to explain everything that we see. Right. Right. <laughs> well, when they have a when they have a cogent, rational explanation other than that, I'd love to hear it. Right. But the one they have right now is, it's ludicrous. Right. It's absolutely ludicrous. so they were exiled to Assyria and Babylon because they loved someone else more than they loved the Lord their God. God still loved them. God never forsook them. Again, why is God punishing them? Why is God disciplining His children? For that very reason. Because He loves them. Who the Lord loves, He corrects. The Bible teaches us. If He didn't correct us, we'd be fatherless sons, and not the children of God. So eventually they learned their lesson, worship God good, worship Moloch bad. Worship God good, worship Baal bad. They finally got it. A remnant went back. They rebuilt. They rebuilt in the fear of God. Ezra taught everyone the law. Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple so they could could start worshiping God according to the Old Testament law. Nehemiah built the walls. They rebuilt. A remnant returned. And in relative obscurity, From the time of Solomon, where all the world knew of the wisdom of Solomon. People were coming from all over the world to hear him talk, to hear him teach, to hear his Proverbs, to see the, the, the magnificence of his kingdom. And we get to this, Zerubbabel's temple, the old men looked at it and wept. because they remembered the glory and the splendor of Solomon's temple. The remnant just wasn't in people. It wasn't prestige. It wasn't wealth. It wasn't the towns they were living in. They were cut down to a fraction of what they were. We enter the silent years, 400 silent years, where God didn't speak through prophet. Very active period of history, but God was silent. In every one of these cases, from the time of Adam until this 400 silent years, God is reaching out to people. God is reaching out. We rarely ever find where men are reaching out to God, except in the case that God woos them first. God moves on them first. God is always the initiator. He's always the prime mover. We are always the respondent. In every case, God is initiating or trying to initiate a covenant relationship with us. He's trying to get us to enter into a covenant relationship with us. Why? Because He's loved us from the very beginning. And if this is going to work, it's going to work His way. It's got to be His way. Your way is not going to work. I don't care what it is. Well, you don't know what my way is. I don't need to. If it's contrary to God's way, it's going to fail. I promise you. You can try it. I hope you don't, but you can try it. you got free will just like I do, but it's going to backfire. It's going to blow up in your face. Your, your life is going to blow up around you. If not now, at some time in the future. In every case, God is desiring to reestablish a relationship with us that was broken in the Garden of Eden. In every single case, God is reaching out to us, trying to reestablish a relationship with us. Because He loves us. Of course, this all culminates in the life of Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus Christ come to this earth? Why did He wrap Himself in flesh? Why did God step off of His throne and enter this fearful, fallen place and surround Himself in this and be subject to the same things that I'm subject to? Hunger. Weariness. He was subject to all of it. He could stub His toe with the best of them. He was a carpenter. I'm sure he got slammed his thumb a time or two. He knew what pain was. He knew what betrayal was. All because he came down. He chose to come down and wrap himself in flesh. Why would he do that? Matthew 21:33 through 39. At the risk of taking this parable out of context. I think I still do justice to it. If not, the bishop will make sure that we get back in line. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. When the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. Last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, Hail reverence, my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance." And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. Now, I open with that preface because I know that this is talking about the nation of Israel, time of the Gentiles coming in. But, I think we can expand this without doing injustice to the meaning of the verse, to all of mankind. God has been sending servants to all of mankind through all of history. We read in the Old Testament what Jesus is referring to here. He's sending prophets to the nation of Israel. Repent. Come back to me. Come let us reason together. Though your sins be scarlet, they're going to be as white as snow. What have I done? Lay your charge against me and I'll answer it. What have I done that make you basically that you hate me so much that you you love them more? Tell me. The Holy One of Israel in several places in Scripture bears His soul to His people. He shows them how much, how desperate He is for them. How desperate He is that they would love Him. That they would have a relationship with Him. But they would not. But He continues to send servants more than the first. More than the first. Please repent. Please come back. Please turn away from your wicked ways. Please turn to the right way. The good and the right way. Please serve Me. And things will be well with you. He's the One that loves us. Those other gods don't. He's the One that loves us. But He's the first one we blame when things go wrong. He's the first one that we point a finger at when we don't get our own way. He's the first one that we'll walk away from when things get too difficult. But He's the one that's been altogether faithful. He's the one that's loved us no matter what we've said, done, or thought. He's the one that loved me when I hated Him. When I was a long way off. He wooed me. He called me. He separated me unto himself. He cleaned me up. He loved me. Hosea 11, verses 1 through 9, demonstrates this. Hosea 11, verses 1 through 9 says When Israel was a child, then I loved him. I loved him, and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam, and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke their on their jaws, and, and I laid meat unto them. He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrians shall be his king because they refuse to return. And the sword shall abide on his cities and shall consume his branches and devour them because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. And even though this was the case, even though he loved them and loved them and loved them and still they refused to serve him, he says this, How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboim? My heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I will not execute the fiercest of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man the Holy One in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. Folks, we cannot get to a place where God ceases to love us, where God ceases to work in our lives, where God ceases to stop reaching out to us. We can't get to a place. The Bible does teach that He will not always strive with man. Eventually, if we're insistent enough, God will honor that. Eventually, after he's reached out and reached out and reached out and tried and tried and tried, if we continue to swat his hand away, if we continue to tell him, I don't want you. No, the answer is no. Eventually, he's going to stop knocking he will leave you to your own devices. I was going to say God help you then, but the only one that could have helped you is now gone. Can you come back from that? Of course you can. Make a choice. Say yes to God. But at some point God will stop knocking. he's going to honor your free will does he want to do that never absolutely not it breaks his heart to do that but he will do that he will let someone walk away from him if that's in your heart to do so We saw it with the rich young ruler he didn't pursue him Didn't try to explain what he meant by what he said. Didn't try to start over. Just let him walk away. The Bible says Jesus loved that man. But he let him walk. God desperately wants a relationship with us but it's going to be on His terms. It's going to be according to His plan, His design, His pattern. God loves us enough to send people to us, to speak to us, to pray with us, to minister to us. And if that doesn't work, He'll send other servants more than the first. To try to get us to wake up, to see truth, to see reality. See, the problem with folks today is they're so steeped in these other world views, they can't see truth staring right in front of them. They can't see it because they got these lenses on that filter it all out. If I have red colored glasses on, all I see is red. Everything else, it's gone now. What God wants to do is take the glasses off so that we can see truth, we can see reality. Take the blinders from off of our eyes, from the veil from off of our hearts. Because He loves us. He so desperately loves us. And so He sends His servants out to us to woo us in cords of love to a place of repentance to bring us into a covenant relationship with Him. That's the love that sends. God loves us enough to send people to us to try to reach us. And then once we're reached and we get discipled and we become mature in our faith, we enter into a ministry or hopefully before that. God may send you to someone else. I remember after my very first service, the next Sunday, I was rooming with some guys that I was in the army with. <clears throat> Beer bottles all over the place. And... uh I was telling them how excited I was about it. They were asking me questions. They were pretty easy questions, but I didn't have a clue. (laughs) I had no idea what the answer was. I'm like, I don't know, but if you come to church with me, they can answer that for you. And I got one to come to church with me. And then I got a call saying that my CQ replacement didn't show up. So now I had to go in and sit on stupid CQ. And now the guy wouldn't go because I wasn't going. And I never did get him to come back. I was so mad. I wanted to Holy Ghost punch that guy in the throat. (coughs) Is that a thing? Is that a thing? Does that work? (laughs) Probably not, huh? Oh, I was furious. <clears throat> anyway. But he sent me to someone right away. Because he loved that person as much as he loves me. And he'll send you to people. Because he loves them those people as much as he loves you. But uh, that makes me nervous. I I understand all of that. I'm not being facetious. Okay? I get that. I'm not a natural talky person. I don't like to go up to people and I don't know and just start a conversation. Because I'm very bad at that. My conversation is, hey there. Uh, so, what's going on? Okay, I already in into creepy area. I already sound a little creepy. <laughs> I'm a little bit better at it than that now, but that's how I started Here's the solution, folks. Love is the solution. If I can love that person like Jesus loves them, it won't matter what I look like or sound like. i got to reach them because I love them, and I know God loves them. If I can love them like Jesus loves them, I'm not going to have a problem talking to people. I'm not going to have a problem God getting me up in the middle of the night and praying for someone because I love them with the love of the Lord. Love is the solution to that. Love is the key to that. The same love that God has for me, I can have for you. And I can have for them. We can't do it without God's love. There are people who are naturally built for that, I guess. They can just walk up and talk to anyone. Make great sales Uh... I'm not a great salespeople. I've tried. But if I can love someone, if I can be touched with the feeling of their infirmities, if I can look at them with compassion because they're hurting and they're wounded and they need a Savior, just like I did, I have no problem talking to them. I have no problem ministering to them, praying with them. love of God is the solution for that. We go out to reach others because we love God, because we love the lost. And we can do both because God loves us. God loves us. He loved us enough to wrap Himself in flesh. He loved humanity enough all through the ages to keep reaching out to us when we were stubborn and when we were rebellious. And when we did everything we could to flee from the presence of God, He pursued us. He continued to be patient with us. He continued to love us until we were in a place where we could say yes to God. It rarely happens right away, sometimes it does. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it takes decades. Brother Shepherd's mom was 70 plus years old when she got baptized. Grandmother, grandmother I'm sorry. My mother, or my, my dad. Now oh, you got me confused here. My dad was 75 years old, I think, when he got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it takes a while. I don't know what nationality your, your grandmother was. Mine's German. Dumb stubborn German. <clears throat> but God loves all of us. He loves all of them. And He is sending people out there. He will send you and me out there to reach them. Brother uh, Stan Gleason's book was mentioned, his book on discipleship. In that book, he, ma- he makes the assertion that uh, the term soul winning is not a New Testament term. It's actually an Old Testament term. In the New Testament, we, we refer to discipleship, making disciples. And so, uh, I kind of like that distinction because in the past, we've had people that have been very good at soul winning. And then they just let them die on a pew. And I, I despise that model. I despise it for all kinds of reasons. I like discipleship because we are making disciples. Part of that, of course, the first necessary step is salvation. We can't go any farther until we get salvation. We get the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. But after that, there's a whole lot more that needs to happen. We're not done. We just started. We just started. God loves me. and He loves me enough to not leave me here. He wants me to continue on to perfection, to completion, to Christ-likeness, and he wants them as well. The place that we're in, in our society today, we have an awesome opportunity to demonstrate the love of God. And when I'm talking about love, I hope you understand what I'm referring to. I'm talking about the kind of love that a soldier has for his his brother-in-arms, where he'll step in front of a gun or throw himself on a grenade to save the group. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus demonstrated that on the cross. We can demonstrate that every single day. Not literally, perhaps, but spiritually. I demonstrate that when I set my own needs and cares and concerns aside, my own plans for the day, so that I can take a detour and minister to somebody else's needs. Is that laying your life down for your friend? Yeah, absolutely. other better than ourselves. The love that God has for us is quite a bit more powerful than we can generate on our own. It's quite a bit more potent. It's quite a bit more perfect. His is called agape love. It's not a natural love. It's not one that we can possess naturally. But through God, we certainly can. That's the kind of love that God has for us. It's a perfect love. It's a love that puts us first no matter what. When I have that toward you, I'm going to put your needs first. My legitimate needs can wait. You've got a need right now. So I want to take care of that. That's what agape love does for us. And when you have agape love for your brother or sister, you'll do the same thing. When you have agape love toward them, <clears throat> you see someone sitting alone at a restaurant and God prompts you, go talk to him. I only got a half hour to eat. God knows that. God knows you're hungry. He'll sustain you. He has meat to eat that you know not of. Praise God. <clears throat> so let's uh Let's allow God to make us spiritual. Let's allow God to lead us into the realm of the spirit. We have spent a lot of time in the physical necessarily, but that's not where God really works. We see some answered prayer in the physical. We see healings in the physical. Things like that. But the greatest works are done in the spiritual. And that's where we need, we need to live in the Spirit. Live and walk in the Spirit, the Bible says. And you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We've got to be spiritual creatures. We've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We've got to know how to pray and to fast. We've got to know what the Word of God says. We've got to be well-versed and skilled in using the Word of God. And we've got to practice what we preach. We have got to do that. Faith is action, right? I demonstrate what I believe. If I'm demonstrating something other than what I'm saying, that's the definition of hypocrisy, right? If I'm preaching something, I better be living it. I better be demonstrating it to my family, my co workers, at the restaurant. We are called to demonstrate Jesus Christ, to show them who Jesus is, not just tell them about him. Show them. And God is so gracious and He's so kind to allow us to do that. Let's all stand. Love is the key. Perfect love. The love of God. It will take away all of our excuses, legitimate or otherwise. It will take away all the reasons we have for not doing what we know God wants us to do. And then... Instead of having to get someone up here and guilt us into doing the work of God, which is always very effective, right? No, No, not at all. (laughs) That's not at all effective. So guilt doesn't work. How about if we wanted to? Wouldn't that be awesome? If we wanted to do that, if we needed to do that, if it was like fire shot up in our bones, we had to share this. Well, we can't get to that place. It doesn't matter what kind of a personality type you are. We can get to that place in Jesus Christ. Amen. God's desire is to use us. To use us. And He wants to use us in the realm of the Spirit. I can't help but notice in Matthew chapter 9, that uh, wasn't the focus of my message, so I tried to avoid it, but I am going to say it anyway. <clears throat> he was doing the work of God, right? He was preaching the kingdom, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers. It says He was healing every one of them. And then, in Matthew chapter 10, where He calls the twelve disciples to go out and do likewise, what does Jesus do? Next verse. I shut my thing down. Next verse. Next verse. There it is. Gave them power to do the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Jesus went out and did it. and He said, now you go out and do it. And this is what He did. And this is what He told them to do. This isn't all of it, but this is part of it. It's part of it. Now, got a question for you. Brother Shepherd, can you heal someone of cancer? Okay. Can you raise the dead? Okay. So how is this gonna happen then? Not by ourselves. Jesus can do it though, right? because he did it we, we saw in the scriptures in chapter 9 he was doing that so here he said I'm giving you authority I'm commissioning you to do the same thing and he's giving us the same commission he's giving us the same authority to do the same thing Well, I, I really don't see that I don't either I'm saying this because we need to see it. It's part of the commission. It's part of God's plan, His design. We've got to be doing this. And this is a spiritual thing. It's not in the natural. I'm with you Brother Shepherd. I can't do any of these things either. Not by myself, but God can. God can use me to go pray with someone, and God can do a healing. I can pray with someone, and God can raise the dead. I can pray with someone, and God can fill someone with the Holy Ghost. Amen. These are spiritual things that we need to start expecting. We need to start expecting. I know what we're seeing. Okay? I get that. I preached a little bit ago. We can't go off of that, though. We can't go off of what I'm seeing. We've got to go what's in the book. What's in the book? That's our reality. And the book says that. I didn't write that. I can't write Greek. Jesus wrote that. God wrote that. He's the one telling us to do that. So then we can begin to expect it. We can expect it. Not because we're I wouldn't have asked for any of these things. I wouldn't have even thought to ask for these things. God saved me. I'm going to heaven. That's all I needed. I can deal with the rest of it. Someone said a story. can't deal with anymore. This is what I need healed. And I thought that was pretty powerful. But God ended up taking care of both anyway. Because you got healed and you got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And why not? Why not? We can look also We're spiritual. If we are spiritual creatures, then we will hear the voice of God and we don't have to worry about what to say. Not in the moment. We're gonna study of scripture, we're gonna memorize scripture, we're gonna hide the word of God in our hearts, absolutely. We wanna do that. But in the spur of the moment, someone comes running up to you on the street and says, I need to know how to be saved. Can you help me? is falling apart, what can I do? Can we help can we help them out with that? Maybe, maybe not, but I know God can. I know God's got the right answer for that. And all I need to do is open up and let God speak through me. problem with the love of God I did maybe some of you do accepting that God truly does love you no matter what if you're in that place this morning ask God to help you with that ask God to solidify that truth in your heart folks God does love you he loves you so desperately no matter what no matter what you've said no matter what you've done no matter what you've thought left undone, unsaid, or unthought. He loves you. Talking about narcissism, I'm talking about a biblical holy love for ourselves. It's not a romantic love. It's not a tummy love. It's a love far deeper than all of those. It's a love far more powerful than all of those. It's a love that will see every one of my needs met. It's a love that will, when I'm hurting, when I'm wounded, when I'm in despair, when I'm fearful, when I'm lonely, it takes care of all of that. That way, I can fall back on the love of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm going through, you love me and you desire to see me go through it, to walk through to the other side, not destroyed, not hurt, but refined, as silver, as gold, tried in the fire seven times. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Because you love me, and because I I can accept that love. I see it in the Word of God. It doesn't matter what I feel about it, it doesn't matter what my heart is telling me. I am worthy of your love. You have created me worthy of your love. You have declared me to be worthy of your good things. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus pray, O God, help us to receive your love today. Let your love flow out of us into the lives of others. When we look upon the lost, when we look upon our loved ones, our, our co-workers, those on the street, help us to see, help us to see them as you see, help us to feel toward them as you feel. That they are lost and in need of a Savior. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's continue to pray, church. Let's build an atmosphere of expectancy here. God wants to do great things here. Amen, amen.